All right, welcome to Christ Masters. We are going to start our very first live feed in a great conversation with G Wiz. Just give me a moment. He'll be here shortly. And uh, we'll get talking about some things to do with life and godliness and all that great stuff. And I'll just give him a holler here for a second. But yeah, we'll get him in on there. I got that link sent out. So we'll be looking for him to join in here soon. And uh, we'll go from there. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, we're going to just cue it up. You know, the Lord is moving. Uh, very excited about uh, being able to be on this first live feed uh, conversation. And just to give you a little bit of update on uh, G. Wiz. Uh, his name is Gary Coleman, by the way, um, but he's a good friend of mine, a very, very godly man, entrepreneur, uh, family man, uh, all the all of the above. So there's a whole bunch of things uh, that we can get into today, and you'll see he's very passionate, has a lot of energy, will be very, very good. But this is Christ Masters, uh, where we are learning to master Christ as he's mastered us, um, and, you know, to get into life and godliness. So he should be coming on the air shortly and uh, we shall go from there uh, testing this feed out here, which is testing it out today uh, to see what we get into. Uh, In the meanwhile, you know, this is Christ Masters. You can find a podcast on all of podcast outlets, Apple, Wooshka. You can find us um, on CastBox Player. You can find us on Spotify, Christmasters Unchained. Uh, you can also find us uh, on Facebook, Christmasters uh, TV, uh, and our group, Christmasters Gathering, and YouTube, Christmasters TV. So for you to guys to check in and, and really get a full service uh, development in your Christian walk, we, we definitely have what it what what it takes to help you get there uh putting out a lot of content as this is the mode of operandi for this morning so what's going on in today's world right now that we need to you know be prayerful about let's shift gears and let's start talking about let's say prayer and politics and a few other things there's a lot going on in our world right now and we need to be aware of all those things. There you go. Gary, I see you. You just popped in there. Let's see. Um, did you hit the green button? They said there's a green phone button you can hit. Maybe I could try to pull you in. Set it as a block report. All right. This is a green button. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. We got you. Can you hear me? What's up, bro? Hey, welcome. Welcome. How are you? Oh, man. I'm amped, bro. I just, you know me, man. Love talking about the word, bro. I know let's that's eat, right. Let's eat, bro. It's time to eat. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're very excited <laughs> uh, to have you on the show. Uh, everybody, please forgive my rambling in the beginning. Uh, we've been testing out this this uh, this live cast now to to get it rolling, and this is our first first uh, first go at it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're joining in, you're listening. We're about to jump into the scriptures and talk about, you know. A few things. Um, this is a very interesting time, and I think that uh, 
I think that we're going to get into a lot right now, Gary. Um, the Holy Spirit is really alive and well. Uh, but let me welcome people to Christ Masters. This is Christ Masters. This is a live, uh, Christ Masters Live. I think that's appropriate, right? And uh, um, I'm just really rather excited. But let's get to it, man. Let's get to it. Um, I'm talking here with, 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 uh, with Gary Coleman, a.k.a. G Wisdom. Um, he's got a lot of things. Uh, he's uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, United States of America. And um, he's got things going on in music. He's an entrepreneur. He's got a great family. Um, he's a godly man, Christian man, knows a lot about the scriptures, knows a lot about a lot of things. Uh, has a lot of fire and a lot of passion. I'm sure you're going to get a taste of that this morning. So if you're listening this morning, let's get right into it. Um, Gary. Yo. What's up, bro? Man, it's really exciting. We're flipping through Acts right now, man. Really? That's funny because I was in Acts chapter four yesterday and I, and I was mm-hmm. flirting around with going live on Facebook, but I told myself not to. It was mm-hmm. it was too live. But where you at? Where you at in Acts? Where you at? Well, well, I've been bouncing around, man, because, you you know, one of the things that's been on my mind, bro, is I hear a lot of people say a lot. Um, we aren't supposed to argue the scriptures with people. We're not supposed to. Like and I think I think the toughest thing you hear it in the word you hear it in the church. People are saying we're not supposed to argue the word. We're not in the church among okay. each other. Well, and so what I've been looking at was you know, I'm, and I'm gonna go to it, but there are a couple times in scriptures, like even when you look at Paul in Acts, you see it literally says that he he went in the synagogues, and sometimes he was in the synagogue for months, bro. And it says he was literally arguing the way. Yes. So, you know, I want to, I mean, if you wanted to talk on that. Yeah, let's right. talk about that for a second. I, I know that's not necessarily a topic that the average person is looking, you know, because most people aren't preachers and teachers like us, right? Right. Um, and, but it is a very, very, very um, curious topic for the average person, the average believer, because, well, guess what? They, they, it, it causes tension in them when they see us going back and forth with people, right? Right. So I think it's important to talk about, but that's definitely the truth. Because, like, when you look in Acts, where was Paul arguing in Acts? Uh, what scripture is that? It's so Acts, like Acts chapter, I want to say nine. I want to say nine, but it's not nine. I know it's not nine. In a row it shows it. So, so nine is the Damascus Road. Saul getting baptized. Saul when he proclaimed the Messiah. Right. And uh, when he was in Jerusalem. So that's when he first when he first got. Um, oh man, where is it at? Yeah, I was just reading it too. I read this whole book yesterday, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of funny that you said Acts because I was literally like, "Oh my God!" Like. This is just so loaded with information that a lot of that's just so loaded with stuff. But there was a part of Acts. I think you're talking about the part where it talks about how Paul he went daily in the public square and in the synagogues, right? right? The one part he went in the synagogue and stayed there, like he yeah, he stayed there. He stayed there. It says he stayed there and he argued the scriptures day and night. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. Um. Maybe it's is it Acts nineteen? Let me look. It might. I know there's a nine in there somewhere. I, I was going. 
you check 19 because I know then a mob came, right? Because they got mad and they, they caused a whole big thing and they, they was going to mob them and they was going to kill kill the disciples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they was mm-hmm. going to kill the disciples. And the mob yeah, verse came. Eight, then he entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, engaging in discussion and trying to persuade them about the things related to the kingdom of God. Yes, okay. yes. Some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way in front of the crowd. He withdrew from them and met separately with the disciples, conducting discussions every day in the lecture hall in, in Tyrannus, Tyrannus, Tyrannus. And this went on for three years, I mean, yeah. for two years, so that all the inhabitants of the province of Asia, both Jew and Greek, heard the word of the Lord. This is. This is what it's about. Uh, like when I hear people talk about, oh, we don't need to argue the word. We need to agree to disagree. No, we don't. No, we don't. We're not called to agree to disagree. That's not what we're called to do. You know, we're called a- to know the foundations of the word. We are to know the way of Christ and we are to bring the correction to it. Even if that entails, we argue it and argue it for look, it says that he inter- verse nine, chapter nine, uh, Acts 19, uh-huh. verse eight. He entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months. Yeah, three months. Three months. Engaging in discussions and trying to persuade them about the things related to the kingdom of God. Now, that was in that was in the uh, I have a uh, uh, the apologetic study Bible. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks it down in a different type of way. But I'm going to pull up a different version. So you, so so everybody who's listening can actually. Um, um hear hear the words a little a little more in depth, a little closer to the uh original context of the way it was written. Okay. Alright, so if we go to Acts Acts nineteen eight. He says, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. The right. two things people say we're not supposed to do. Don't dispute and don't try to persuade people. Well, you have to. Um, the scriptures are very clear about that part. I mean, that, and that's not just in this book of Acts. That's all over mm-hmm. the scriptures. Um, mm-hmm. Check out Philippians 1 where he's talking about, he says twice he's set for the defense of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not talking about just standing up and, you know, being a believer and, and you know, carrying the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ where people know you're a Christian and living your life. He's talking about defending the gospel like a warrior would defend his own country. Yeah. You know, a warrior would defend, a man would defend his home against a robber. You know, he's yep. talking about actually contending uh, for the faith. Um, you, you hear it all throughout scripture. You, you hear us get instructions that Flat out tells us don't tolerate people trying to preach a false message to actually if they speak openly against what the scripture actually says to openly bring correction. Yes. Yes. Like, But you hear people say, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Yes, you are. You're not supposed to be openly speaking false doctrine. And if that's the case, then you should be openly corrected in front of the people who you're speaking false doctrine to. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and then it would be good to note, too, right now, like we're. we're Paul Paul is contending for the faith uh, basically against the Jews and, and and the people who are speaking false doctrines things like that. But there's it also right. says here that he continued for a space of two years. This is verse ten in chapter nineteen. Mm-hmm. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both the Jews and the Greeks. Mm-hmm. So 
it, this, this is basically showing us that the, the man of God that carries the gospel, right? The man of God that carries the gospel, that he has, he has kind of two functions. He has to do what you're saying. He has to contend. He has to make sure that the gospel is preached correctly. And if somebody's preaching it incorrectly, he has to confront that. Um, he has to stand up and preach the gospel in places where they believe different doctrines. But he also has to do a second thing, which is those that believe that are learning from him properly. You know, he has to teach it properly, first of all. And right. then he has a responsibility to make sure that the people who are hearing the word in their heart, receiving in their heart, who are th- hungering and thirsting for growing, are getting the word properly. So he's doing, he has to be a two-edged sword. He has to be a fighter and a defender on one side. He has mm-hmm. to be a nurturer and a father and a shepherd on the other side. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And I bring that up, Gary, because if we if, if we just talk about it and lean from one angle, right? Okay, we're just going to say, you know, talk about the apologetics, talk about the differences in doctrine and what a man of God should do to basically fight for the gospel. Right. We could lose sight of the fact that we do have to feed the sheep, right? We have to nurture the right. flock. We have to make sure right. that they have what they need to grow in their relationship with God from their understanding of the word. And right. Because you, you see it here in 19, he, he goes away. He takes the disciples and he goes away. Jesus did it. Jesus preached to the crowd and then he took the disciples away and actually broke it down. It's true. And and, and if you continue reading the Acts 2, you, you'll see that Paul actually had a school there, too. And it said he continued daily in the school teaching mm-hmm. the disciples that he had. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing two things. He was dealing with the Pharisees. He was dealing with the, the false teachers and preachers. But he also was spending half of his, the other half of his time training up believers and disciples. So let me throw a question out there. To point All right. Out. So why is it that people in the church have this argument? Why is it that this is one of the biggest arguments in the church? You know, that's a real good question. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening on Christ Masters Live right here. Uh, got Gary here. Gary G. Wisdom Music from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. are having a chat about uh, diff- different issues in the body of Christ. About And what we're talking about right now is uh, how people are looking at the man of God when he defends the gospel against false doctrine versus teaching the gospel. Uh, to your question, Gary, is this. I, I really believe it comes down to it comes down to there has not ever been a clear a clear understanding of what let's just say let's say preacher that covers everything this covers apostles prophets covers evangelists everything just for simplicity okay mm-hmm. there hasn't been a clear understanding of what a preacher should be like mm-hmm. a job description pulled from the scripture. Like, what does God say a preacher should be? What should he do? What should he say? Right? There had that hasn't happened, and so culturally, a, a preacher feels like he's called. And I, and I know the, the 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 thing about calling is that's another conversation whether a guy's called or not. What's the evidence of that? Right? It he feels like he's called. So what he does? What does he do? He gets up, he goes and he goes and he he preaches and he starts a church or he starts something and he gets people to follow him. And he's he's going off of his relationship with God and his wisdom with God and all this other stuff. And then it comes into play of social situations, um, cultural situations, 
all these different things in people's lives, he feels the burden to shepherd them to, to be their problem solver. Does that make sense? Right. And he's trying to give them guidance in the ways of God, like much like a shepherd would feed sheep. But the issue for the the saints, the people in the pews is, do they really know what a minister is supposed to be? And then secondly, does that minister know what a minister is supposed to be by God's standard? Okay, but what the scriptures say a minister is supposed to be? Because then I think the real problem and what you're getting at here is, where is the point of accountability? Does that make sense? Where's right. the point of the accountability for the preacher? So here, right. here's an example. Um, you've worked jobs before. I know you're an entrepreneur. You own a business. But you've worked at a job before, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when you go to the job, they give you a job description, right, with a title. Mm-hmm. And that title and that, that position comes with certain responsibilities that you have to do, right? Right, right. And you know the parameters, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, and there was specific right. training for that, right? Exactly. Okay, so who, where's the, where, where are the parameters from the scriptures? I mean, think about the ages of preaching. Where are the parameters yep. from the scriptures? That yep. they say what a minister is supposed to be. If you're if you're feeling like you're called from God and you got a calling from God to go preach the gospel, mm-hmm. what what does God say is a gospel carrier supposed to do? Right. Right. And I think, you know, to tie into what you're saying, I think so the 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 flip side of that is the person who's not necessarily the preacher or the pastor or the you know apostle or evangelist or whatever if you are a christian we are all under the same parameters and i, and I now granted some people have more of a specified role but i think the biggest thing is we have we have this argument that comes from a place where it's like um you have people who were church hurt you yeah. know you have people who who let's be honest aren't really that good at um cognition they're not they're not that good at cognitive understanding so when they read they're not necessarily getting the 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 full understanding of what they're reading because they don't know how to read it in the proper context and so you have people who read scripture and they they say oh well this is what the word of god means and you're like wait a minute let's read it in the proper context and like well that doesn't matter you can't tell me and you're like yeah you actually can because there's a context so what we're reading there's a context of what we do and so when you say something like that in response to certain people, their response is now they're offended. You can't tell me I don't know what I'm reading and understanding because you're not the Holy Spirit. Right. So you don't. Know. Right. You know what I mean? I do. I understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. And that's true. Listen, that that is true. That is true. And that's a part of the systemic issue that goes down mm-hmm. to the root. Like this is not an issue that has one one like. The root of this issue has is a split end, you know, like a split end on like right. a hair, like right. it's supposed to just be one end, but really it's like twelve. Right. Like there's like twelve issues at the bottom of this root, and 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 one of them is, um, let's just run them down the list. Okay, what you just said, a lot of people don't understand the scriptures themselves, right? Right. And then this is this is this stems off of that. Then you furthermore have people who are now preaching that never really came to a full understanding of the scriptures themselves. Right, right. So, so now you have the blind leading the blind, essentially. And right. 
here's the other set. And there's no accountability because they won't allow themselves to be accountable to anybody. Right. And so there's no accountability. And then here's the other thing, Gary. Here's a second issue. And I know this is an edgy thing for everybody. Everybody out there, I know what I'm about to say is going to really, really trip you out. But give me a moment to explain it and please bear with me. (laughs) The idea that your relationship with Jesus Christ is so, keyword, so personal. Okay? Understand where I'm coming from. And I'm going to get right to the point because I know that just bothered somebody. Listen, when you get saved, yes, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But after you get saved, he is building you to serve the body of Christ in the world. Yeah, all all of your gifts, you serving God is always going to be about something beyond you, whether it's giving to your neighbor, loving your neighbor, your family, your community. Using your gifts to make the community better, using your gifts so people can hear your testimony and come to find God. Everything else after you come to the initial repentance is not about you. It's about you and someone else. So that's not personal. If it's me and you, Gary, is it personal? If both of us are involved, if both of us are involved, is it a personal thing? No, not really. Okay. I have a personal, I have a personal aspect in it. Like there's a personal thing that I have to do. Like if we're all building a house together, if I'm the, if I'm the carpenter and you're the electrician, my job as a carpenter is personal to framing it up because I'm responsible for my piece in the puzzle. But you're responsible and your person, your job as far as an electrician is personal. But I got to have my framework done right for you to run your electrical through the, through exactly. the studs properly. And we got to make sure we got everything framed up properly for the next person to come in and hang drywall. So it's all one house, but we have a specific job in that one house. Yeah, we there's a teamwork here. So understanding the will of God, the body of Christ. So that goes to my third issue. The second issue being it's, it's you know everybody takes it so personal. Which don't get me wrong, when you were a sinner, that's the most personal relationship you have with Jesus Christ is when you first get saved. Because right. guess what? You didn't know God. No, nobody around you when you was a sinner was trying to get you to know God, except for the preacher, the Holy Ghost, drawing you to the preacher where the gospel is. And right. some, people, some people got saved without a preacher. You know what I mean? They just went through right. something and ran into God. Right. You know what I mean? They, so, they just went through something and ran into God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, yo. And it's, it's for real, though. That's for real. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh-huh. I have a few friends now who, who are who are really, really dynamic um, ministers of the gospel. And they used to be crack addicts. And they were like, I ran into God on a crack high in the back of an alley. Right. And I'm like, yo, like, that didn't even take a preacher. Like, they're like, no, like, I almost died. And I figured right. now it's time to give my life to the Lord. So yeah, either get it together or I die. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so some, for some people, it, it's not always a preacher. We got to remember the preacher is just a tool. And that's my fourth point. The preacher is just a tool. Right. It's really the Holy Spirit that draws you to the Father. It's really the Holy Spirit that draws you to the cross. Right. So if, if, when everybody was a sinner, the Holy Spirit is the one drawing you. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is the one trying to get you in a position to to see God, to hear God, to, to get that prick on your conscience about right. the gospel, about coming to Christ and repenting. Right. That's the Holy Spirit. 
that that has right. nothing to do with with the preacher. That has to do right. with the Holy Ghost. So exactly. the whole process is of God. So He draws you to Himself. This is what the scriptures say, uh-huh. and and then you meet Christ. Then uh-huh. you see Him as a warrior who fought that battle for you, and then saved you. Right. You see Him as the Savior. Right. That's as personal as it gets. Right. After that. You come to receive that that remission, that forgiveness. You get bought back in that redemption, right? Right. Everything after that buyback is to build you up so one day you can participate with God. Right. Because like it's not like so a, like a, like the military. You know, you're not one. You're not. It's not personal. You have a job in the military, but it's not personal that you're a soldier. It's a unit thing. It, it is a unity thing. I mean, let's let's look at it this way too. Just another aspect. I, I, I do belabor this point because it does bother people a lot when I say this. You know that you've been around me. Uh, is this even if after you get saved, you're like, "Well, it's personal." Your desire then shifts from you to pleasing God. Right. So it's no longer that personal. It's like, "Yo, everything I do has to please God." Now it has to please something outside of myself. Right. You know, when you were a sinner, the Bible literally says we didn't even think about God. We were enemies to him in our minds, in our hearts, in our minds. Yep. So we weren't thinking about God. Everything was about us. Yep. That's what it says. So couldn't, couldn't think about God. Yeah. So, there, so there's something that happens in repentance that even changes you from just thinking about you, when it, just you, number one, to now you think about you and God. Right. You and the Lord, you and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So the instant you get saved, you get redeemed, your sins are forgiven, you blood wash, it's no longer personal. It, it, it's now tandem. It's two. It's three, really. <laughs> right? You, 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 you now become a part of a bigger unit. Yeah. So you see the systemic issue is like, okay, so you got those things. Imagine this. Imagine. Those things but are it, it, all it, it, in the person, in every believer, those are the issues of our culture and our understanding that are all mixed together. That what gets lost is what. It, so if I graduate to be a minister, the Holy Spirit moves me up to be a minister. What is his standard for that? Right. You know, and then, and then furthermore, Gary, and I'm going to let you run with this. Furthermore, do many believers, Christians, do we even know the standards of Christianity Right. that we should live by just in a general sense? We're like, we're not ministers. We're not preaching the gospel. We just have to live before God with each other and hold back to the profession of our faith. Do we even know those standards or right. are we struggling with them? Right. We should know those standards. <laughs> but this is but this is where, you know. I see the Mr. Midnight through the comment on it. He said, no, we don't. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, brother. <laughs> See, because this is because this is the thing, you know, we always talk about like when you and I speak, we always talk about the fear of the Lord. Yes, we, we, we always talk about knowledge. You know, we talk about the word of God saying, you know, gain knowledge, but in all you're getting good understanding. Right. Yes. We always talk about that. We always talk about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge. Right. We talk. We always talk about that. We talk about the beginning of the worship experience is the fear of the Lord. The beginning. You can't even begin to know what it's like to worship God without the fear of the Lord. You can't. It's not possible. And so you have you have this this issue 
like the way I perceive it is like the issue isn't necessarily the fact that, you know, we can all have our own understanding and interpretation of the scripture, which we all know is impossible. You know, there's one there's one understanding of the scriptures now multiple breakdowns in different levels to it degrees to it, the understanding. But there's only one understanding of the scriptures. There's only one baptism. The word of God talks about it. One baptism, one Holy Spirit, one body. So if that's the case, how is it that we can disagree on find fun, fundamental things? The answer comes back down to somebody doesn't have the foundation. If you and I are disagreeing yeah. on things that are essential and foundational and we're supposed to be of one body, we are to be of one baptism, we are to be of one Holy Spirit, right. and we can't understand we can't seem to agree on the the foundational things. The hardest thing to say is one of us is not a part of that baptism. You know, one of us is not a part of that body, and one of us it does not have the Holy Spirit in us, and one of us does not have the understanding of the scriptures. So it comes down to where does the Ephesians five twenty one kick in? Well, Gary, let me let me say this before you run with that because I'm with you. I just want to interject some things from our earlier conversation. So stop at five twenty one just for a second. Mm-hmm. Talking about the foundations of the fear of the Lord. This is the reason when you brought up earlier why we cannot ever say we 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 must agree to disagree. Like the minister has to defend the gospel for what you just said, because right. the standard of our personal living is to enter the fear of the Lord. And, and I know me and you talk about that personally a lot. And I'm hoping in the future in the live cast, we can get those conversations out here to the, our listeners as this grows, because that's very important. And when you don't have that submission as unto the Lord, as a single person, as a single male, as a single female in your single life, man, it, 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 it just, that makes everything, it just makes everything seem right, but not right. Does that make sense? Right. Like, right. You might hit the target, but you drift in just a little to the side. Like, it, it's it, like you're, you're in marriage, you're in marriage, but you ain't reaping the benefits of it. Exactly. <laughs> you, got a, you got a ring on, but you ain't loud. You ain't making no love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> single though, as a single, as a mm-hmm. single, you know, when you submit to the Lord and, and you mm-hmm. begin to develop that relationship with him and and you go through the foundations, you know, I talk about foundations all the time and right. go through the foundations of, of learning the faith, the steps of the faith, and you start to live those things, you enter into the mm-hmm. fear of the Lord, you, you enter right. into, and that's a standard. It's not just, you know, most people see the fear of the Lord as a reverence. You know, a reverential approach to God, but it's more right. than that. There are right. actual steps and standards that that you go by. There's a transformation right. there. When you don't have that transformation as a single person, if you right. get married, that's the prerequisite for a good holy marriage, right? Because you're supposed to submit to your partner as you submit to the Lord. But what if you didn't right. learn to submit to the Lord? What right. if you didn't get with the Holy Ghost enough as a single person to submit to the Lord? Right. Oh, uh, you go. You going into a whole other one now? Yeah, no, no, no. You start talking about marriage, bro. Don't open that. Don't open that door. Yeah, yeah, that's that, not that can. Don't <laughs> yeah. save that one. But in terms of, <laughs> but in terms of just basic Christian living, right? Basic yeah. Christian living, under, yeah. understanding. Um, you know, most people do get offended if they hear, like, they might hear somebody like me going back and forth with another Christian minister, right? Out right. correctly. 
Right. It, it bothers them. They're like, you're causing division in the body. And it's like, no, I'm conf- contending for the faith. The question comes down to what is actually causing conflict in the body. All right. Look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, can I be raw for a second? Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll, All right. You know, we unchanged. Christ yeah, but I'm going to be raw, raw. I'm going to be real raw. My bishop used to say, um, um, he used to say, just because you sit in the garage don't make you a Cadillac. Just like just because you sit in the church don't make you a Christian. And I'm a, I'm gonna take it a step further. Just because you talk behind the pulpit don't make you a minister, even though you're preaching. Anybody can preach. You can preach from behind a pulpit and preach about money, and it not be the gospel message. Go ahead and preach. But but once you once you take on Christ's name. When you take on the name of Christ and you begin to speak and say that what you're saying is the gospel message of Christ, it better be the message of Jesus Christ. Because if it's not, you are not the person who can say somebody else who challenges you is causing division in a body. If you are the person speaking a false gospel message, you are causing division with a false doctrine. Well, Gary, that, that that's really good. And 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 I have to give you a, a bit of a, a, a pushback. That wasn't raw enough. Bro, that was foundational. Yeah, oh, but then we can go even even deeper where it's like this. The problem, the problem is we have people who are very, very good at tradition. We have people who are very good at structural business. They know how to make a business operate mm-hmm. and they operate the church like it's a business. They operate it like it's an organization, like a like like a mm-hmm. like a corporation. And that takes more precedence over what the gospel message actually is, the foundations of the scriptures. So okay. you've got all these bylaws of the church. Do what the pastor says. Do this. We got to do this for this right. person, that person. Operate behind this person and blah, 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 blah. When none of that stuff is foundational. None mm-hmm. of that stuff is scriptural. It's all traditionalism. And when you challenge the structure of the organization with the scripture that it's supposed to stand on and it goes against the person who's running it, they say you're causing division. Yes, you're interrupting their organization, but that's not causing division in the body of Christ. It's causing that's actually their that, plan. Huh? It divides their plan. Come on, bro. I see. You call you call the bluff. You now we're at a point that's that's calling the bluff on the front. Yeah, but that's you, what that is. Let me let me throw two questions out and see and and and, and see what you say here. Let me see what you say. So. So, yes, yes, that's right. We're supposed to follow God. I'm about to, that's exactly what I'm about to say. Do you see how similar this is to Jesus always contending with the Pharisees? Right. A lot of traditions. That's Matthew 15, right? Matthew 15, one through seven. That's a scriptural reference for you guys, where Jesus is talking about do you teach the commandments of uh, the traditions of men rather than the commandments of God? And and he's, he's always in their face about that. That's the only thing he ever did with the Pharisees was challenge them on those things. Now, my thing is we, we are clear on that. And we know that that's the reason why, you know, a faithful minister, preacher would be accused of dividing when they're really defending. But this is the thing. If it's war, though, it is division, but it's not division in the body of Christ. Well, it's division. It's division in the in the body of the kingdom of Satan. Let's be real. Well, the yeah. point is, a lot of these people are 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 forerunners and um they're they're what's the word um ambassadors of Satan and don't know it. Well, that's what the scriptures say, and, and they're either doing it out of ignorance, they're either doing it out of ignorance, 
or they're doing it out of they're doing it out of knowledge, like they have actually doing it on purpose. You know, right. the issue is is where does where does that leave the listener? Where does that leave the person who's listening to the message, who's looking for God to follow, and and they're they're following a pastor or a minister? Where does that leave them? Right, right. See now. There's an interesting comment on the feed. I, I know you can't see the comment screen, uh, but uh, Yigal Aharon, he just put up. Uh, we don't even we don't even follow prophets. They just give God's messages. A Messiah means messenger in Hebrew, and he's correct. But see, that's right. the issue. That's what we're talking about right now, Yigal. Um, we're talking. We've been talking about for the last thirty minutes um, what a real minister is and what their real role is, and. We've been talking about how ministers have assumed the authority over God's people rather than just being their God's mouthpiece and letting the people deal with God themselves. Um, right. to, you, to your last point, Gary, you got to look in Deuteronomy chapter five, where, right. where God was coming down on the mountain saying, I want to talk to Israel themselves, bring them up to the mountain, Moses, so I can talk to them directly. And they were scared, like, we're going to die if we hear the voice of God. And they was like, Moses, you keep talking to God, right? And and then you got to go even further when Samuel was the prophet and he was the good prophet. Like, he stayed mm-hmm. out of the way. He just delivered the message, stayed out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we want a king. We want a king. They want to choose a king in First Samuel. Then you got to go all the way to the book of First Peter chapter 5, where he tells us to not, if you're a pastor, to take care of the flock, not to rule over them. And yep. not do them compulsively, but right. you oversee and be a mediator. I, I, right. think, I think to your point, ministers today, no matter what they label themselves as, have right. forgotten that they stand in Christ's steed, and that Christ Bro. is an advocate and a mediator between. Bro, it takes us back to the Old Testament. It takes us back to whenever, whenever the people cried for a king, when they cried for Saul, and they, whenever, whenever God. Told them, okay, you know what? I'll give you a king, but I'm gonna let you know what he's gonna do, the way he's gonna rule over you, and you're gonna come beg for me again because you begged for a king because you want to be like every other nation. That's the problem. In our modern day church, it's the same way. We got the pastors who come in, and the pastor is held as a king. He's paid, he's held as a king. Look at the Catholic Church. We have we have the non-denominational church, the the Baptist, whatever you want to call it. What I don't I don't care what the what the uh, denomination is. The problem is the structure. The pastors are held as kings, and yeah. when, when in all reality, a minister is a servant. And the, and the, the, right. the high, what we see in our modern church as the person's title kind of gives them a higher up rank in the church. And we, and they actually nowadays, I don't want I don't want to seem like I'm just judging everybody because it's not everyone. But one of the issues we have is there are people who go from you know evangelist to pastor to prophet to apostle or whatever, and in doing so, their demeanor changes as though they've become something better or they've arrived. When in all reality, the higher up you go, the lower you should be. Like your posture should be lower than what it was before because you you were pushed up to this next level because God is able to trust you to do something more. Right. You're not supposed to walk around with your chest out as though you're the king of something and somebody should hail you as something more. This is right. the issue we have. Well, well, here's the difference, though. Then you have to question. You have to question that person, and you have to question their dealings with God. Have they right. actually accepted Christ? Have they right. actually accepted the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart 
to where the Holy Spirit can work out humility, work out meekness, work out gentleness, work out love, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, help them not to, you know, see themselves more highly than they ought to think. Um, that's what the scriptures say. We shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But right. the, the issue is, is, is to your point, let's talk about it. To your point, and you're listening to Christ Messages Live on CastBox. Uh, to your point, if a person does that, then they are technically in violation of the first commandment. Right? Just have no other gods before me, right? You should make yourself a god before God. No other god before me. That that type thing. And God being the ultimate judge of of what's good and what's not, lays down his standards, and this is what we were talking about earlier. What's the standards? He has laid down his standards through the entire scripture of what we should do and not do. He has already told us what, what pleases him and what doesn't please him. The question is, are we going to use our our decision-making power, our willpower, our judgment, in, in, in a sense, to agree with that and align ourselves with that, to make our decisions according to those standards? So, like, if I know if I know a certain sin God already wrote in the scriptures, he don't like it, am I going to do it anyway just because I want to do it? If I know he says, you know, preaching a certain way or, or lording over the flock, right? Treating this, these church members as if they're my members instead right. of they're citizens of a kingdom. They're fellow citizens of the kingdom right. of Christ. And I'm just here. I'm just here among them. I'm a part of them. These are my brothers and sisters rather than, you know, my followers. They're really, right. you know, there's only one king. If people are willing to put themselves in the place of the king, right. then they're doing that by their own will. But the question is why? Because I don't think that everybody that's doing that is doing it as a matter of they want to just be like you described. They, they want to be the, the chief, you know, the person looked up to, the authority. I, I think some people are doing it because that's just the way the culture is. Like, that's how it's been. So that's what they grew up with. That's what they know. So it wasn't really their choice. They just kind of went with the flow. They just thought that's the right thing to do. And I think more so now. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a lot of people who just think that's the way it's supposed to be done. Right. When God says in the scriptures, he wants to deal with each of us in our own heart right? by one spirit. What do you think about that? I think uh, I agree with you. I agree with you on that at the same time for you to be the person who's in that position, who accepts that accolade and that praise for that position. Or accepts the fact that people will hail you. See, I think it's twofold. You have the people who try to push. Again, Saul, you know, the people cried for a king and, and God gave him Saul, right? Yes. So that was one thing. So God told the people the punishment for them crying for a king and not following him. But at the same time, Saul had a choice in how he would king be a king. Saul could have said, I know you guys asked for a king and now I'm your king. I am not your king. The Lord is your king. Period. He could have done that, but he didn't. But you know what? Let, let, let's examine that because in First Samuel chapter 8 through chapter 12 is where this is at in the scriptures, everybody. First, First Samuel chapter 8 through chapter 12. When, 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 when God sent the prophet Samuel to go choose Saul because of the people, there was a specific things he said and, and bullet points. I'm going to give you bullet points. One of the first things he said to Samuel was, 
this this is a wickedness. Like this is wickedness. Why would they do this wickedness? I'm already their king. Why would right. they want a king that's a man when I'm king that's God, the creator? Right. And Samuel they was want to like, be like everyone else. Yeah. And they said that. They said we want to be like all the other countries around us, which is right. a type and shadow of the world, right? That right. they're being the kingdom and the, the countries around them being the world. We right. want to be like the world to have a king. Right. And so so Saul, Saul was just, you know, in the tribe of Benjamin, son of Kish, right? He's just that guy. Right. But he was the most prominent warrior at that time. So God right. told Samuel, go find a king. Samuel goes out, sees Saul, and he's like, right. okay, it's this dude. It's this right. dude. Um, yeah, go, go go read First Samuel chapter eight through chapter twelve. That's where this account is. I, I'm I'm just giving you the bullet points, but it's there. So Saul is chosen by Samuel because God told Samuel go find a king. But what right. God said to Samuel was, "This is wickedness, but I'm going to allow it so that they can see the difference between me as a king and a man as a king." Right. And then what he said was the stipulation is. So as the king goes, so does the entire country. If if the king doesn't follow my word and my statutes, then the whole country gets is going to fall into, you know, judgment. But if the king does and he's righteous in my sight, the whole country is blessed. Right. The thing you see with Saul Saul is you see Saul go from this humble dude. And as he grows in the kingdom and as he gets. As he gets, it's like comfortable. As you get comfortable, you start switching up a little bit here and there. Well, you got to factor in this part too. Factor in this. So God wanted to be the king over the people. He wanted to be the invisible king because, see, that's the part that struck fear in all the countries when they went to war. They're like, "Yo, their god is invisible." Remember, all the other all the other countries had made idols, and they had idols, and they had. You know, physical things made out of wood and silver and gold that they were saying were their God. Israel didn't have that. They just made noises with instruments and praise to the air and start yelling and screaming and doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, God would move. And that struck fear in the other countries because they're like, yo, these cats roll with the invisible God. Like, we can't even see them. And he destroys us all the time. Like, what's the deal? Okay, that was the that was one of the big big things in their culture. That was right. one of the huge things in their culture. So then you could see why God is like, yo, like um if y'all choose a king and make yourself like the other countries, the other that's gonna make the fear of the Lord go away. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's gonna make it go away. And so God was trying to afraid of your country, they're afraid of me. Exactly. They, 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 there's something there in that invisible that people are picking up that like, yo, this God is supreme above all gods, above right. all creation. Now, that's right. Romans 1 all day. You can see that right. in Romans chapter 1 where he says the invisible and he places himself in the invisible and the visible. No excuse for man. Right. Romans 1, right. 16 through 20. So check this right. out. Here's a part I want to bring to your attention, though. God allows them to have a king because he wants to show them the difference, right? That there's going to be right. a big difference. But right. then in, in, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, God, God gets with Samuel again and says, Samuel, this is going to go crazy. But I gave them what they wanted. 
They right. they want a man to look at. If if I'm going to roll this way, even though it's wicked, I still need to show some type of mercy and make it right. Okay, and make it right. And so he he chooses David in chapter sixteen, verse one. He literally says, "Go and anoint David king. He's the one that I'm choosing." Right. So God even comes behind them, wanting a king system, wanting a pastor, so to speak. And he says, well, I'm going to choose pastors now. Right. It's the system y'all want. If that's okay, this is what y'all need to feel comfortable. Then I'm going to actually go through this system that I don't agree with, that I call wickedness. And I'm going to choose a king. And if you follow him, he'll do right by me. Right. And that's where David comes in. So you can see that's where it comes in. But originally, and and I'm making this point really, really emphatically and strongly, God didn't want that type of system at all. He, right. he wants to deal with your heart directly. He wanted every husband to be the head of their home and every single person to for him to be the head of them. Right. And so that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. Like right. there's two types of fear. There, there's the fear of the Lord where you reverence him and you walk by his standards. Check right. out Psalms 119. That's a good scriptural reference, Psalms 119. Where you understand his statutes, his word, you hunger and thirst, and you live in a way that's according to what pleases him. And then there's the other fear where it's like you're God's enemy and you just understand that you're afraid of him because, well, he's coming at you. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? And, you and, should be afraid. Yeah, it's God's wrath. Like, it's God's wrath. But what is the gospel made out of, Gary? What is the gospel made up of? So what kind of question is this? Are you asking me on an apologetic standpoint or are you asking me? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you from a standpoint of the construction of the gospel right here on Christ's okay. message live from CastBox. Okay, so you're talking about the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No. The written, the written yeah. account of the gospel message? Or are you talking about the, the gospel message of the, the good news of Jesus Christ? Found, being foundations. Like foundations, the good news of Jesus Christ. What what are the components that make up the gospel? Let me give you a um, a, a kind of a, a, an example. So, like one component, I might give it away, but let's just say faith is just one. Break, just break it down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to be conversational, <laughs> uh, you know. But but listen, the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so gospel. I'm going to I'm going to go real basic here, Gary, because I just got a comment that that, uh, somebody doesn't really understand what gospels are, what the gospel means. Okay. And so very basic for from the beginning. Or gospel means good news and and it breaks down the Greek is good news. Right. And what what the gospel is, is the good news of Jesus Christ, meaning his him being the the sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus Christ, and this is the question that I asked, so we're getting to components of foundations. Jesus Christ is our mercy. He's also he's also our righteousness. So the first part of the gospel is Jesus Christ coming, doing everything that he did, saying everything that he said, going, going through everything he went through, because he decided beforehand to do the will of God, which was to bring us back to God. So Jesus at first is a problem solver. 
meaning there had to be a problem first, right? Well, we know the devil came in and he caused sin and corruption to be in the minds of the human race. And that, that caused us to be at odds with God because of the corruption, not because we were at odds with God, because Satan came in and tainted Adam and Eve, correct? And God was mad about that corruption. He's been mad at, at, at Satan from the beginning for being corrupt and prideful and being a murderer from the beginning. Satan set about to mess up everything God created, which was us and everything else. And so Jesus steps up and says, I'm going to bring them back to you. So Jesus then comes down, becomes flesh, becomes a man, and everything, he dies for the sins of the whole world. He dies of the sins of the whole world. Now, that death, this is the good news part. This is the gospel. That death does things for you. And the first thing it does for you is, if God was mad at corruption and the things that come from corruption, like sin, death, failure, confusion, all these things we struggle with, uh, temptation, the flesh, if God was mad at all that, and that was keeping us out of his love and acceptance, which he never changed, by the way. Ephesians 1, he always accepted us from the beginning. The devil corrupted us, but God was always trying to win back, get us back to the original point of holiness and unblameableness, like where we're holy before him, how he made us. Jesus comes in and he restores that. That's the first thing. His, his blood cleanses you from sin, stops the wrath of God. Did you hear that, Gary? Did you Did y'all hear that? Yep, That's the yep. mercy part. It stops yep. the wrath of God from hitting you. So right. hell is a part of the wrath of God. Everything, judgment is a part of the wrath of God. Being, being in the eternal judgment of damnation is a part of the wrath of God. That's the gospel. And unfortunately today, that's not preached a lot because, you know, it's taboo. It's bad to say. Don't tell people they're going to hell. That's horrible. Well, of course, nobody wants to hear bad things. Nobody wants to hear that there has to be something to be corrected. I mean, who likes correction, right? Who, who likes correction? But the whole scripture is written for our correction. And the scripture is the good news of Jesus Christ. The scripture is telling you about everything in Jesus Christ. The eternal life now is the righteousness. Jesus Christ now says, because I died and my blood was shed, it covers everybody's sin who believes in me. Now, now, now that you believe in him, he says to the father, whoever believes in me, my righteousness, my holiness, who I am to you, you must accept them the same way you accept me. No matter what. And that's what it is. His righteousness comes upon you. You're now accepted in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ basically takes possession of you. You were purchased with a price. He was the ransom. We got kidnapped by the devil, hoodwinked and kidnapped. Corruption came in. It causes us to live a certain way that we weren't designed to live, which was unholy and unrighteous because we were really made holy and righteous. But the devil came in and messed that up, trying to get back at God. See, we got caught in the crossfire. We got caught in the middle unknowingly. Jesus comes and corrects that. And he says, you know what? Stop picking on these people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down, fix that, get the devil off y'all backs. He's going to stop picking on y'all. I'm going to destroy everything that he did and him. And now you have his righteousness. You've been restored back to righteousness. So God's wrath that was laid up for the devil and his angels and anybody else who has that corruption working in them is coming down 
on those people. Jesus comes to save you, to give you an, an option to get restored back to what God originally made us. Because here's the issue, Gary, and I want you to talk about this. I want you to I want you to jump on this point. A lot of people struggle with with the good news that I just described of salvation. Because they're like, well, I didn't sin. I wasn't the one there in the beginning. I wasn't Adam. I didn't cause it. How can God, you know, judge me for something that Adam did? Like, that don't even make sense. That was hundreds of thousands of years ago. Like, how does that make sense? Right. And a lot of people struggle with that. And they see God's judgment in the end as this ultimate condemnation for something that they didn't do. Right. And I'm trying to tell people every day. That's the plan of the devil. He wants you to think like that because if he, if the devil can get you to think like that, then you'll take all your time and your whole life that you don't even know how much time you got left. I mean, rest in peace, Kobe, but that's a good example. You know, you don't know how much time you have left. You'll take all this time and you'll miss the fact that the truth of the matter is when God made you, he made you and accepted you before the foundations of the world chose to be in Christ. And so he made you in his, his form and his likeness, which is holy and just and righteous. So you're holy and just. And when the devil came in, he 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 snuck so, so, humanity. So, so, so let me respond to it real quick. You ready? Yeah. Because people always say, God made me. I'm sorry to tell you, but you were made through the loins of Adam after the fall. God made Adam and Eve. He made Adam and Eve in his image and after his own likeness. And they failed and they corrupted that which they were made in. Now they are in sin. You came through the loins of sin and corruption. And that's why the word of God says we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And we have to be redeemed from the penalty of uh, sin and, and and iniquity. So no man is righteous. No man can live a righteous life on his own, but he has to be reborn back through the blood of Christ. That is the only way to be brought back to, to, to what righteousness is. Righteousness can only be found in Christ. You cannot live a righteous life on your own terms. Righteousness is the holiness of God. Yes. You can't have the holiness of God without the baptism of the spirit. So you cannot make that claim. We don't have room to make that claim and say, I'm good. You're not. You are the byproduct of sin and iniquity. Right. And so where I'm going with that, Gary, is this. Where did this sin and iniquity originate? Sin and, sin and iniquity? Yes. Oh, that's a good question, my brother. Yes. <laughs> but, but here's where it comes from. Now, <laughs> if we look in the scriptures. Here's where it comes from. Here's where it comes from. God, when God created everything, everything was holy and righteous. But every creature that he makes has a free will. So they can make a decision. They can think, freely think. Even the angels can freely think. Okay? And they can make decisions to obey or disobey. So everything was made holy. But the scriptures say in Ezekiel 28 that, that, that Lucifer became corrupted in his heart. You know? Now, you got to understand some things about Lucifer. You can check out the Christ Masters Unchained podcast. Um, it's on CastBox. It's also on uh, Apple and a few other Spotify and a few other outlets. But uh, on that podcast, I'm breaking this stuff down because it's just hard to get into. Like, it's its own conversation. But Lucifer, in short, he, he, he was 
he was the ruler of bands of angels. He had a high priest type authority and he would go through the heavens and the earth. Like that was, you know, the Jacob's ladder where the angels go up and down through the earth, right? Heavens and earth. He would go up and down and he did things in the earth. And his job was, was to communicate what God wanted to the men and then vice versa, to be a liaison. That was his job. That was part of his job. It wasn't just music. And he got corrupted because he felt like he could have authority over the men, over the earth. If you keep reading down Ezekiel 28, you'll see that God says things happen. He got corrupted. He became a murderer. He started doing things. He wanted, And in Isaiah 14, he wanted to exalt his throne above God in the north. And God says that, that corruption basically penetrated him to the point to where it was horrible. And so God punished him. There was, there was this war that took place, right, because they tried to revolt and overthrow the kingdom of God. And there was this war that took place between Michael and the angels and Satan and the angels. And God changed Lucifer's name to Satan and cast him out, right? And the original thing was, he said to Satan, I'm going to place you below these kings, a reference to the men, okay? And Satan wasn't about that. He was like, I'm not going to be subject to men, not after I've spent all of my existence trying to basically be their authority. That's not, that's not my plan. So what he did was before he could, before that sentence could even take place, he came and circumvented it by, by, by depositing that corruption, by corrupting the man, because he knows that God is going to reject anything that's corrupted. Like he was being rejected for being corrupted. He was being judged for being corrupted subject. to, And then that's when God was like, wait, you just messed this all up. Now God cast him down to where there's a hell and he's in chains and all that stuff because God created, didn't impose his wrath upon him. There was a lighter punishment that was supposed to be given to Satan. We were, we were supposed to be over Satan, but Satan corrupted us so that couldn't happen. So he basically recruited us on the corrupted side. But that happened without the knowledge of man. Like man didn't cause that corruption. Satan came in and corrupted their minds. Second Corinthians 11. You know, if you read the first three verses and continue reading, Satan came in and corrupted Eve's mind, her thinking, and then she made a decision out of that. You see, that call came from Satan. So then Christ's whole mission is to come back to destroy the works of corruption, which is the works of the devil, First uh, John 3. And he comes in to destroy the devil who had the power to death to kill things, Hebrews 2, and he tastes death for every man. So we don't have to go through the process of corruption leads to sin, sin leads to death, right? You with me, bro? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I just had you muted. I'm up here drilling some stuff. I'm hanging this drywall, so I don't want to make noise in the Okay, background. okay, okay. I just want to make sure you was with me. So, no, I'm with you. So if you look at the pattern, corruption is the root. That's the root of, of the works of the devil. All the works of the devil come down to corruption. Corruption is the opposite of holiness. Corruption is the opposite of holiness. So anything that's corrupted obviously is not holy. So but corruption causes sin. Sin is like bad thinking, bad actions, bad decisions that go against God's standards. Corruption comes in your mind and, and it causes your mind to want to do its own thing instead of following the laws that are already written on your heart. The scriptures say the laws of God are already written on our hearts. And so we would naturally follow those laws. And so 
what happens is corruption comes in and stops you from being in touch with the laws of God that are written on your heart. Christ comes to restore your hearts back to the Father. Do you guys see how, how this works? Do you see how the work of Christ is literally coming in to undo the work of the devil? Undo corruption. Yes, on every point. Corruption right. turns your heart away from and this God. Is the, this is the crazy part, bro. The, the corruption that he placed in there was to tell you that you could be something like God. Yes. And the issue we have in the church are the leaders who are accepting the opportunity to be like God and rule over people. It, it, it hasn't changed. Well, that goes all the way back to Nimrod. I mean, think about Nimrod, right? Nimrod, which if you follow Nimrod's line, obviously you come down to Nebuchadnezzar eventually, <laughs> you know? And so that comes down to Nimrod. Like Nimrod was trying to build the Tower of Babel all the way to heaven because Nimrod was trying to see if he could get up there where God is. But but that was orchestrated so that if they actually succeeded, Nimrod would be viewed as a god among the people. Isn't that deep? That's deep. But that's what happened. And that's why God separated their languages. He had, he had to make it harder for them to work together because he didn't want anybody exalting themselves up to that level where he is. Now, What's the what's the what's the counter of that? How does God solve that? That's why the Holy Spirit is in existence right now. Like the Holy Spirit is God's spirit. So God's saying is by my own spirit in each person that believes me, then I will give them the understanding, my understanding. I'll give them my wisdom, my heart, my mind. I'll give them all of those things. And then they'll be able to work together in my kingdom on earth by my spirit. The reason why that's important is if it's by God's spirit, God is still God. And the Holy Spirit then convicts us of judgment, sin, and righteousness and keeps us humble and keeps us from wanting to exalt ourselves to that position. Like, here's an issue. And you're listening to Christ Masters Live right here on CastBox. Uh, over here talking to Gary Coleman, a.k.a. G. Wiz from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're doing well. Hello to everybody who joined in. Uh, we're having a a nice conversation about the gospel, and we're having a conversation about uh, a few things going on. Um, hey, Gary, do you think we should take some questions, some answers? Then we should do a and A real quick with some of the listeners. Let's see. I think Gary's still on mute. He might be still drilling. Yeah, yeah. He's I was up here trying to get to this phone. <laughs> yeah, man, let's do it. All right, cool, cool, cool. I got um. Jao Yai asked me to join, but uh, oh, it just disappeared. I couldn't press the button. Hit the uh, green button if you want to um, ask a question. You guys, if you're listening on the app or the, if you're listening on a desktop, you can hit the green phone link, and uh, we can take your questions because we've been going for about an hour, so I know I know that uh, there might be some questions out there. You know, I don't know why it wouldn't let you on, but I did see the link. Okay. All right. So I got a question here. You could type in your question. I can't see what you type. I can see what you type. So if you're not able to hit the green button to get in on the live feed, um, I can see what you type. Uh, try again. If you want to try again, I am watching. Somebody asked me a question about Nimrod's origination. Okay, great. Let me take a call and then I'll answer the question about Nimrod. Hey, Gal, you're on. You're connected. How's it going? Uh, good. Good. How are you doing? 
I'm doing real good. I'm doing real good. Where are you from, bro? Oh, sorry. Uh, I can't hear you. What did you say? Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah, yeah, you, you got some background noise going on there. Yeah, yeah, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. It's cold. How's that? Hey, Gary, put your phone on mute. Let him ask a question. Go ahead and ask your question. Sorry? Uh, go ahead. You can ask your question. We can hear you. Okay, no problem. But uh, my question is uh, it's pretty short. Uh, uh, my question is that uh, is this upper is for learning English or is just for uh, uh, for discussing other things? That's why that's why I want to know if it is uh, for learning English. I want to practice my English with you because uh, uh, I have big problem in English. I have, uh, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, our our um our, our broadcast will talk discussing things about Christianity and the scripture. Um, about um not speaking uh, language learning. Um, but you walk with Christianity. questions about the scripture or Jesus or the Bible. Uh, world. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a lot of there's a lot of background noise on that end over there. Hey, if you if you have us in your uh car radio or something, are you able to turn the volume down? There's there's a lot of background noise going on. Uh, uh, what to say? Do you have do you have a question about the scriptures, brother? Uh, all right, all right, brother. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna disconnect the screen here in a second. Thank you. All right, hey Gary, he didn't have a question about the scriptures. I, uh, he was looking for help with English. Yeah, he's trying <laughs> to practice oh, English. Hey, we can, we can teach him some English while speaking. Well, yeah, if you listen. <laughs> If you listen, Lord, help him, help him. Unlock the English language for Jal, Lord. We know that you're you're the creator. You touch our hearts and our minds. We ask you to give them that understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, I got another I got another question here about Nimrod, okay? Which which is which is pretty interesting. You talk about the uh the lineages um thing. But essentially Nimrod, I'm gonna kinda give you like a quick background about Nimrod, uh some information about Nimrod. Um, just so you guys will have that information uh, to answer the question that I see here in the feed. I don't know if you can see the uh, question feed, Gary. No, I can't. Okay, so I can see it. And it's basically saying, well, where did Nimrod come from? Like, what's his origination? And, okay, so Nimrod is first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 10, okay? Genesis chapter 10 is where Nimrod is first mentioned. And Nimrod was his dad's name was Cush, right? And you know, if you follow the lineage, this chapter 10 is telling you um about let me see 10-1, 10-1. I think that's about Noah, the generations of Noah. So Noah, there's Noah, and Nimrod was coming from the sons of Ham. So the sons of Ham, which Ham was was Noah's third son. And then there's Cush. Cush was Ham's first son. So now you got Noah's third son, Ham, and then there's Cush. Cush was Nimrod's dad, okay? So Nimrod, it says Nimrod became mighty on the earth. He became a mighty one on the earth. Uh, Verse 9 says Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, whereof it said even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. 
and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So Nimrod started to build a kingdom on earth, which was Babel, uh, also known as Babylon, right? And Eric and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. So this is Genesis chapter 10. And it says, out of that land went forth Eshur and built Nineveh. So Nimrod, Nimrod is connected to Nineveh that you read about in the book of Jonah, that that city was super evil, right? And they was doing all these evil things. So Nimrod was connected to the city of Nineveh. It was also connected to the city of Rehoboth and Kala. And historically, these are also cities that were super evil. So if you continue reading and making these connections, you can see Nimrod did not have a good background. It did not, he did not have, uh, it, everything he did was bad. Like everything he did was bad. Cause you guys can look in, in Jonah and see Nineveh was bad, bad. Like that was super bad, bad. Like the research Nineveh and see the things they used to do. Um, Nimrod is also historically connected to Egyptian worship and satanic worship and all these different things. So Nimrod was trying to exalt himself, uh, as God on the earth. Which is just still the same. This that's the same spirit of Lucifer who was trying to exalt himself as God. And to your point, Gary, earlier when you were saying there are some people who are ministers, you know, disguised as ministers of light, but they're really ministers of Satan. Isn't that the, really the essence of the spirit of Satan? Is trying to exalt himself as God? Is trying to put himself above things and rule things in a way where he's God in place of God? Like, isn't that really like the biggest part? I um. I look at that piece and and I'm like, it's just something that has continued down the way. God never wanted other men to have authority over other men. That's why he gave us all dominion in the beginning. That's why he gives us all the right to choose and decide. That's why he gives us that. And and he, he doesn't, not even he himself will trample upon or overstep the boundary of your free will decision. He will not make a decision for you. He will not force you to make a decision. He won't do that. Even God himself won't do that. So there's something special about us having the power to decide. Does that make sense, G? I hear you out there. Where are you at? Yeah, it does, bro. It's per- it makes perfect I-, I keep muting it, bro. I'm up my person. Can you hear this? You have to hear you. What you building? I'm up framing up the studio, man. <laughs> Multitasking, huh? Multi- yeah, I'm afraid, bro. I'm eating, I'm eating the word while I'm building, bro. No, you so you so hyperactive over there, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it makes perfect sense. God will not impede on him himself. Um, when I hear people talk about the I know one of these questions will probably pop up, which is why does God allow us? Why does God allow people to kill each other and all of this stuff? Now, first off, first thing we're talking about is we're talking about um sin entering into the world. And then free will that God created us to have so that we can love him. God did not create man and force man into loving him. God gave us a free will to love him because love does not impede on your decision making. That's the beautiful thing about who God is. God gives you the ability to make a choice to love him. Now, you have consequences to choosing not to love him and you have the benefits that come with choosing to love and follow him. But but in any instance, he will not impede on your decision. To love him because the word of God says God is love. And now we hear a lot of arguments about the sovereignty of God, but the arguments a lot of times about the sovereignty of God actually go against or dismantle the the, the uh, scripture talking about God being love. God is love. Sovereignty, that is a characteristic of his. Love yeah. is who he is. 
Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Go ahead. Yep. So, so you know, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Even when you look at corruption, the corruption that came in through Satan, and God's plan to redeem man back to righteousness and holiness, which was found in the Garden of Eden when He created man to walk with Him in unity, in one, hand in hand with Him. God made a plan out of love to come in the form of man to show man that he is love and that he's so much love that he would even die a death that he's not even he, he doesn't have to do. But he chooses to do it to win us back to him so that we can again experience the Garden of Eden experience. You know what you're saying is foundational, like Ephesians one talks about how um if I can read it real fast here, let me get my Bible. The Ephesians 1 literally talks about what you just said about God uh, restoring us back to uh, that's that 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 original state with him. That's, that's what it talks about, right? Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1. And it literally says, um, you know, if you start around verse 3, blessed be the God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse four, according as he has chosen us, mm-hmm. us in him before mm-hmm. the foundation of the world. So before the world was set on any foundations or anything was made, he, he made a decision himself that to choose us. And right. his, his decision was, I'm choosing that they should be holy without blame before him in love. Having yep. predestinated, made a decision beforehand. That the adoption of Jesus Christ, that means the salvation, the gospel, the good news, that we would become his children through believing the good news of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. according to the good pleasure of his will. That's what it says. So, And then it says that he made us accepted in Jesus. Made us accepted in Jesus. Man, made us accepted in Jesus. So I, I get where people are coming from. Went to your point when you said, you know, people um, question why, why, why God kills and why there's God's wrath and why there's God's judgment. Um, and a lot of that has to do with corruption. Like God trying to judge corruption that was set in course by the devil. And right. but He gives us a way of escape. Right. He gives us a way to get out of that corruption. Yep. He gives us a way to get out of the crossfire. Through Jesus Christ, and, and that was his original plan anyway. That's how he created it anyway. So he gives us a way to take a detour from the road that got blown up. You know what I mean? He don't want you to fall off the cliff or, or, or you know, go over, you know, the dead end. He doesn't want that. So he gave Jesus Christ for us to come through to get back to the Father. And, and the best part about this salvation is it can't be re-corrupted. It can't be corrupted again. It, it can't be um, it can't be messed up again. Like it, it's final. The, the way he constructed it is final. And if you need more information on that, you can check out Christmasters TV on YouTube. Um, I just started that YouTube channel. and I'm starting to put lessons there to 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 break these lessons and concepts and things we're talking about now down so that anyone can understand it. So, you know, we would definitely want to. Um, we definitely want to take the time to check that out and, and, and be strong in the foundations. As you listen to Christ Masters Live, hey, we're about an hour and 20 minutes into the live feed. Uh, give us a thumbs up, a like. Hey, how's it going? Saying hi. Uh, if you uh, if you like the show, spread the word. We're going to be coming on here uh, pretty often uh, to get some things going on. You'll hear me. I'm Brother John. I got my friend, my brother, 
Gary on the phone here, G Wiz. You can check him out, G Wiz Music. And um and uh G Wisdom Music, they got a bunch of stuff going on. He got so much stuff going on, guys, out here in the world of social media. Uh GJ Coleman Media. Uh if you need web design or anything like that, just give him a shout. Um <clears throat> let's see here. I got a comment here coming in. It says, I think Nimrod's line hate or dislike Jews because he does not understand the line of Israel and is instinctively to destroy anyone who is more than oneself, maybe. You know, um, in response to that comment, uh, that is absolutely uh, right. That is that is absolutely right. Uh, that that is absolutely right. You, as you do more research, you're going to find that um, Nimrod and in the, in the, the Jews and Nimrod don't mix. Like, they're not a fan of Nimrod, and and he, a lot of the things that he did along the lines was against Israel. Like, totally along the lines. I have another. Um, I have another question too uh, uh, by uh, Sarush. Did Jesus Christ had a choice? Could he be corrupted too? The answer to that question is yes. Jesus Christ did have a choice. And the second answer to that question is yes, he could have been corrupted too. If you look in St. John, I believe it's chapter 14, uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he oh, was, bro, I was just about to say that. Yeah, Go when ahead. He, when he was in the Garden <laughs> Jesus made a comment. If you look about St. John 14, verse 29 and 30, he says, the prince of this world comes, but he doesn't have anything in me. That's a direct reference to corruption. Corruption, it works inside of the heart and mind of man to keep him sinful and tainted towards God. So what happened was St. John 1 says that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and became a man. The word became flesh and we beheld him in his glory, grace and truth, right? Verse 14. Jesus Christ, when he became a man, gave up, gave up all of his heavenly authority. He had to live like we live now. He had to follow the Holy Spirit and he had to follow the commands of God. Mm-hmm. If you, if you Can I jump in? Can I jump in? Uh, just one second. Give me one second. Make sure I give give him the, the appropriate scriptures because you only need the book of St. John for this. Chapter 6, if you jump to chapter 6, Jesus is talking about how he came to do the will of God, how he chose to do the will of God. And that 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 is what he's talking about. I had a choice, but he says, I only do what the Father commands me to do. I only say what the Father commands me to say. And then he says, I have to accomplish this will. Fast forward to St. John 17. Where Jesus says, it is finished. I have done your will. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Now give me my reward. Glorify me like I was before. Restore to me my my glory like I was before. So if you follow St. John in that order, then what you're going to have, that was chapter 1, chapter 6, chapter 14, chapter 17, and you see that. But 14, man, 1429. I keep repeating it because I I hope that you're going to remember this. 1429 is the key. He says the enemy did not corrupt him. Remember, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted to the devil. If Jesus didn't have a choice and could not fall to temptation, why would he be tempted to the devil? And the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. Why would the Holy Spirit lead him to be tempted as a man? Because Christ had to overcome the frailties, the weaknesses of man the spirit of man, the body of man, the body of his flesh, so that he could take that to the cross, uncorrupted. He didn't sin. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 16. Is that right? 15 through 16, he didn't sin? Yeah. Not have, We have a high priest. Yep. Go ahead, Gary. I'm going to let you uh, tag on that question. That was an excellent question, by the way. Thank you. 
I was going to jump in on a level of the beautiful thing about it is we're, we're still talking about God is love. Jesus is God in the flesh. God is love. Always remember that God is love will make your perception of God go to a whole different place. We always see God as this 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 sovereign ruler, king, warrior, mighty in battle, which is true. But don't forget that God is love. The things that Jesus did were through love, in love, by love, constructed with love, which means him going to the cross was an action of love, which had to have been done from a free will perspective. If it, it's kind of, this is a kind of a very intense way to put it. But the one thing I always say to people is God will never spiritually molest you. And he will never spiritually rape you. He's not going to force you to do anything because that would impede on who he is. Love. That's not love. So Jesus going to the cross was an act of love, which had to have been done from his free will, meaning that the father would not impede on his decision because that would not be love. Look at look, the Garden of Gethsemane again, where he says, take this cup from me. Nonetheless, that will be done. He begs so much to the point where he sweats great drops of blood in the medical field. You know how much stress you have to be under to, 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 to sweat great drops of blood? How many times do you think he cast it down vain imagination in that place? Well, the, 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 the issue is the issue is, is that um, is that the, the, the blood was a response to the sins of the world were coming down upon him. The, Come on, bro. the entire wrath of God was coming down upon him. Now, right. if I can, I want to throw in another person's question here. I, I'm sorry I can't pronounce your name, but this person asked a question is, what if Jesus was just a man when he died? And the answer to your question is about to shock you because Jesus was just a man when he died. He right. was just a man who understood the will of God, and right. he, was, he was the son of God begotten from the Father. So his spirit came straight from God, right? right. He didn't come through Adam. He wasn't born through man, which is right. why— you know, he came basically was born of a woman straight from right. God by the Holy Ghost. So right. Jesus was just a man, but his spirit, his spirit came straight from God. That's why he's right. the begotten of the Father. So right. here's what happens. The, the Luke chapter one says that Jesus Christ, when he was born, he was born full of the Holy Ghost. Him and right. John the Baptist were both born with the Holy Ghost. So that answers the next question I see. Uh, was he a man with God in him? He was a man and he was born with the Holy Ghost. So when they both grew up and their ministry came together and John the Baptist baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus now. And, and that basically gave him the certification to continue to start his ministry, to start doing what he was sent to do. Can, and, can, I, can I jump in real quick? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah let, me, let me jump uh, in real quick. So let me back up and answer your question apologetically because – I see where John's going, but I see where your question came from. The what if Jesus was just a man when he died? And and uh, so let, let me answer it apologetically. First off, when we dig into history and we look at the life, um, the birth, life and death of Jesus, we have to look at it in a historical standpoint. OK, now, I know the question where it states just is actually referencing the fact of saying, what if he wasn't God at all? What if he was just some dude who lived on this earth and he died? Well, what you would have to do is you would have to eliminate history. 
What do I mean by you would have to eliminate history? All of the things that Jesus did while he walked this earth would have to be taken under uh, under a mic. would have to be put under a microscope. You would have to challenge everything that he's done, every miracle that he's ever done, every written account of who he is, every place that he's been at. And you have to ask whether or not what he did actually happened. Now, historically, and I would I would actually challenge anybody listening to this to actually go and do some apologetic studies. One thing I would say uh, download is an app called C.S. Lewis Institute and then go into the apologetic section. You can also go to RZIM, um, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and they tackle these things on this level. Um, but the, the thing that I wanted to respond to was you would have to take into account everything, everything that Jesus did, everything that was written about him. You would have to you'd have to challenge history. You'd have to challenge everything. So we, when we say what if Jesus was just a man, you have to challenge every single thing that has ever happened with him historically. And here's the issue, Gary. Here's the issue. Scripturally, Romans six says that Jesus was the second Adam, right? Jesus, Jesus, Luke 1 says that Jesus was born of a woman. His spirit was a begotten of God. Uh, St. John 3 says that Jesus um, was the only begotten of the Father, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of more scriptures to support this. So from a historical standpoint, when you're talking academically, to answer the question from an academic standpoint, from a historical standpoint, that that's definitely the route to go. What you said is right. But from a doctrinal standpoint of what the scriptures say— What the scriptures say is that Jesus Christ, St. John 1, he literally became flesh. Um, The scriptures in Philippians 2 says he he gave up his godliness and submitted himself unto death. And and St. John uh, 17 is literally saying that he's saying, okay, restore me back to the glory that I once was. So, and then when you look in St. John 6, he's literally saying that I'm here to do the will of God. But God gave me a commandment that I have the power to take up my life again. So I'm going to die, but God already gave me the commandment to take up my life again by his power and by his spirit. So Jesus had faith in the Father and his word to him to take up his life again. And and don't get me wrong. This is a mystery. This is something that that, that, that Paul talks about, the mysteries of the gospel, right? The mysteries of God. This is a mystery on... On, you know, I use the word loosely Trinity because it's not in the Bible, but for sake of simplicity, understanding, it's a mystery of how the Godhead works, right? How the Father, how the Son, how they work together to accomplish this thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, why- well, that, that's where I was going to go to in John. Go ahead. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now all throughout scripture, especially when we're talking about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we always see Jesus being referenced as the word. Even in the Old Testament, we, we have we have some foreshadowing in the Old Testament pointing to the arrival of Jesus, who is who is God in the flesh. So I think sometimes like one of the people commented earlier. You read it off. They were talking about Christ only being Messiah and how Messiah only means messenger. That was only one title of who Christ is. We're talking about titles. We're not talking about the wholeness of who he is when we reference things like that. Oh, well, this says that he's the the light of the world. That doesn't make him God. Oh, okay. Well, this over here says that he's just the door. He's not God, but he's the door to God. This over here says that he's the lamb to be slaughtered. 
In the Old Testament, the lamb was slaughtered as a sacrifice to God. Didn't make him God. Well, you got to put all this together because he's referenced as the word. The beginning was the word. Word was God. And the word was, was with God. So that right there alone says that Jesus is the word and Jesus is the word of God who is God. So he is God, God in the flesh when he came in the flesh of man. But yes, he was 100 percent man and had all the feelings of man. He had experienced everything we have to experience, hunger, all of it. But at the same time, he was God simultaneously 100 percent. And the beautiful thing when we talk about God being love is he relinquished the power of being God when it came down to decision making so that he can respond in love to show us that and display to us how it is to live a life that's centered around holiness and righteousness through the love of God. Yeah, well, but essentially, though, Jesus, Jesus had to live it out as a man, because mm -hmm. what, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying, believe in me. Right. If if we if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then. He's essentially saying by putting our faith in him that we should be able to live unto God the same way that he did. Mm -hmm. so he had to have done it first by example in order mm -hmm. for us to even be able to do it. And then furthermore, what is the father accepting? If Jesus doesn't live it out perfectly and he's supposed to accept Jesus is what Jesus did on our behalf. So even if we messed up, we would still be OK. Well, what, 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 what would he be doing? And here's a scriptural reference for you on this point. Ephesians 1 13, 1 12 and 13 says, uh, who first trusted in Christ after we have heard the uh, voice of the gospel, right? And I'm, I'm going to read that real quick. I see your question, Sharu, so I'm going to get right to that in just a second, okay, buddy? Um, check this out. I just want to mention this. Ephesians chapter 1, Christ Masters TV, the channel on YouTube. I just did a video on this stuff uh, about the foundation. So if you want more details on this, there are videos there now that, that literally go through the scriptures on this point. But right here, verse 12 in chapter 1 of Ephesians says that we should be to the praise of his glory. That his is the father who first trusted in Christ. Why is this scripture saying that God the father trusted in Christ? And then it said, in whom you also trusted. So we trusted in Christ after we heard the truth, the gospel of our salvation. So the word of the gospel in whom we now believe and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise to make sure that we are going to receive that promise. So God looks for his seal on us in the end. So God, the father trusted in Christ, man, which means that thing that the devil caused, that thing the devil caused. The only person who could who could rectify it was Jesus Christ. To the point to where it could, it could be messed up. Like Christ could have messed up and the whole everything would have been down the down the tube. Bro, so to bring it back around to hold on a second, I'm gonna walk out the room, my baby sleeping. But to bring it back around to our first set of conversation, which was about the church and people elevating themselves to king and and it becoming corrupted when you ask the question what is the opposite of holiness it's corruption so it's one of the things where it's like in order for the church to move in the way that we're supposed to we have to strive to expose and to cast down corruption to walk in holiness 
and righteousness before the Lord. And corruption is literally everything against the holiness and righteousness of the Lord. Sin. Mm -hmm. And likewise, that is why it's well, not likewise, but that is why it's so important for us to bring correction by the word of God. That is why it's important for us to expose false doctrines and false gospels. Doesn't necessarily mean the person who's speaking it doesn't really care or they're purposely like speaking a false doctrine. Some of them were corrupted. And so because of them being corrupted, they own that's all they know is corruption. The Bible says this the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit of the flesh. So if they've already been taught a doctrine that is corrupted, they can't even begin to understand the things of the spirit because they're led by the flesh. So it's not a matter of being angry at them, you know what I mean? But it is necessary how Paul went into the synagogues and sat there three months, four months at a time and really broke it down. It's necessary. It's necessary, man. So let me address this question, too, on, on air right real quick. Uh, I have a question here. It says uh, from uh, one of the guys that's been asking questions for it a little bit. Uh, you're listening to Christ Masters Live. Uh, if you want to know more about Christianity, what is the first book that I should read? I was raised Muslim and know little about Christianity. Now, that thing right there is 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 interesting, Christ Masters. Hold on one second. I'm typing too, Gary. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. But I want to help you. Um, we do have a Facebook group, Christ Masters Gathering, where we talk about things every day. Uh, Christ Masters TV on YouTube. So. I put this down in the comments for you, brother. I say simply for, and let me explain why I'm giving you this directive. Ephesians is the will of God. If you're, if you if you were raised Muslim, but you know little about Christianity, and you want to understand Jesus, whether you're choosing to believe him or not, I mean, I would hope that you're choosing to believe him. He's the only way to the Father. But if you're choosing to just educate yourself, start with Ephesians, because that's the whole, that's the, that's what God is trying to do ultimately. It's, well, it's, can, can I say something interesting? Hold on. As, a, as a Muslim reading the Quran, the Quran actually calls Jesus the Injil or the breath of God. And the Quran actually also says that you can't argue with the words of the Injil. So the, the, in, in your, in the Muslim faith, they actually believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we refer as, refer to as the gospel message, the gospels, Actually, or the letters written in red, pretty much the words of the NGO cannot be disputed. So you if you read, even if you he's saying Ephesians breaks it down as a whole. But if you if you've learned that the words of the NGO can't be disputed, who is Jesus, the breath of God. Then if you go and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the Gospels and read what he says, you will actually see that he calls himself the son of God. He calls himself God in the flesh. He says the only way to the father is through him. Yeah, yeah, and then you just throw Ephesians, and then you'll understand what Christianity is supposed to be about, um, what God the Father is trying to uh, work out. And um, obviously, uh, you know, the Muslim Christian background. Let's talk about it. It's apologetic. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, Father Abraham, right? And then you got, you know, Judaism, you know, Islam. You got Ishmael, you got Isaac. Um, you have those roots, and those have been historically argued um, over and over and over again. And essentially, you know, the Quran, the Torah, um, and the Old Testament or the Bible are essentially the same writings. Essentially, um, there are some differences uh, in in the translations, but essentially, it's the same foundation. It, it's just when we get into the New Testament, 
of Christianity is where we really get into the differences. Because if there's no New Testament, then, you know, Jews and Muslims, they don't really disagree fundamentally on what's written. The New Testament is what causes the whole argument to happen, right? It causes the difference because now you have the Christians uh, coming along saying, here's this New Testament. The Jews don't believe in the New Testament. And you have uh, the Muslims that don't really subscribe to the New Testament at all. But Muslims will recognize the New Testament as, I guess, philosophical writings, a place where you can find wisdom and learning. The Jews won't recognize it at all. So you can clearly see that the direct writings that have to do directly with Jesus Christ are the ones that are really up for debate. So, I mean, to your point, Gary, uh, what you just said, I mean, that's exactly right. Um, um, The Gospels uh, are highly recognized by the Muslim community and the Muslim faith. Um, And so I would definitely start there, try to understand it. But here's the issue. To understand Christianity, to understand Jesus Christ, to understand the heart of God, the scriptures say you have to have the Holy Spirit to understand him. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. And the, and the only way to get the Holy Spirit in you is to believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, cleanse your mind, your heart and mind from corruption, and to bring you into the kingdom of God and to then to place his spirit in you. And and when you do that, um, when you do that, then you have the, the, the spirit of revelation. That's why I said Ephesians is important because Ephesians chapter one says, The Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus Christ that gives you the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you have to have the Holy Spirit who is the teacher and so on and so forth. You have to have the Holy Spirit. But the way you get that is coming through the redemption of Jesus Christ. You have to let him buy you back, which is save you from the wrath of God, hell, clean you from sin, restore you back to holiness and righteousness with him. Like Ephesians 1 says, back into his acceptance, which never changed. We just have to be cleansed to be restored back to that holiness. So, um, brother, uh, who has a question, uh, let me know if you're, if you're following that, let me know if that, if we're answering your question, let me know, um, in the comments there, if you, um, are understanding that this helps you, um, hopefully you'll hang out with me on the Christ masters, uh, outlets, uh, where we can work together to help you understand, because that's really what I have going on online. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing to help people like you understand the gospel. Um, Man, that's a really good question. Um, that's that's just really good. That I, that's really good. But that's the facts. Those are the facts. You have to have the Holy Spirit first. So here's my question. Um, if I can shoot a question back to you, brother uh, uh, Sharush, uh, are you? Um, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, are you still Muslim? Or are you Christian? Or are you? Uh, are you? Are you just kind of in between? Like, where are you at on the spectrum? Are, are you just trying to learn? Or are you really thinking about changing faiths? So let me know in the comments, and then I will continue talking. We've been on uh, Christ Masters Live, Christ Masters Live, uh, right now uh, for about an hour. Uh, Gary, I don't know how much time you got left, man, but we're going on two hours on the broadcast today. Uh, you hanging out with me today? I really appreciate it. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, we're really talking about. Uh, just the understanding of the Christian culture, uh, understanding of the gospel, understanding of the scriptures. Uh, we talked about, um, heck, good pastors versus bad pastors. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. Um, we're even talking about interfaith dialogue over the scriptures where, you know, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians all have a connection through the Bible, uh, through Abraham and the scriptures. So, you know, with this, I mean, you know, feel free to post any questions in the comments. We'll gladly uh, do our best to have a conversation about it. Uh, you can also 
call in. If you are on the app and you have the green button, you can also call in uh, to ask your questions. Um, you know, I hope you join us on Christ Masters TV. I hope you join us uh, on Facebook, Christ Masters Gathering. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of information about those groups real quick. Christ Masters TV is really, if you're trying to understand the gospel, that's where you want to be. I just started uploading lessons on there. They're full-length lessons, so it'll be like going to college, you know, Bible college, where we're sitting there, you're sitting with me in the scriptures for about an hour uh, on each video, and you're learning this step-by-step. So if you want to just learn about uh, what the Bible really says and what it really means uh, through the scriptures, plug in there, subscribe, uh, share, tell with your friends. Or if you're a Christian and you're looking to build your understanding, go there and subscribe and uh, upload for new videos. Christ Masters Gathering. Uh, Gary, you could talk about that, man. Uh, helping people on a daily basis with the um, their discipleship every day. Uh, you could you're in the group Christ Masters Gathering with me. Uh, do you mind sharing about how that's helping your life and um, what it's about? Uh, uh, what 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 I'm actually doing on Facebook and to help people in the everyday uh, walk in their growth with God. I will put it like I'll put, this. Is how I'll put it, man. It's like um, you know I did a lot of like boxing and fighting and martial arts and stuff growing up. One thing that I always remember is the fundamentals. Doesn't matter what it is that you do, when you get better at whatever it is you do. Same thing in design, um, coding, graphic design. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, never forget the fundamentals. And the best way to remember the fundamentals is to practice the fundamentals. And that's what Christ Masters does. Yeah, exactly. Like we're on Facebook. I have a there's a Facebook group, Christ Masters Gathering. Uh, you can find us at Christ Masters TV. You know, I didn't want to create two tags. So it's the same thing for Facebook. Same thing for here. Christ Masters TV. If you want to look us up, uh, you can request membership to the group. It's a public group. Um, so as this public means you don't necessarily have to be a member to watch or listen to all the posts that are there. We do some live videos. Uh, we do some articles. We do some things to help build your faith, your understanding uh, in the gospel on how to live the fundamentals every day. So, you know, like questions we talked about today, like, OK, well, how do I live for God? Like if I believe in Jesus Christ, what should I do? How do I make decisions? How do I find out what I believe? How do I know what I believe? Why is Christianity the truth, as Jesus said? So, you know, then you get the information so you can make a decision for yourself uh, if you want to believe in Jesus or not. And then what should happen if I am Christian? What should I expect? How should things progress? Um, how do I get to know God better? How do I do things for God better? How, how does who am I? to be used in this world for God and what can I do to grow as a person of purpose and a person to do the will of God and participate in God's kingdom. So there's a lot of things there. <clears throat> there's a lot of things there. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I got a response from Sarus. He says, I've been praying five times a day for eight years. So I think I'm considered a Muslim. I didn't mean to offend you, brother. I, I, I'm not, a, I see your explanation point. I'm not here to, I'm here to have the conversation, but I wanted to know more about different religions People of different religions don't have the opportunity to talk about their faith in Iran. Uh, it puts them in great danger usually. Yes, I do understand that. And I, I totally, totally uh, respect your courage for even reaching out to me. And I'm always on uh, all those things that I posted. If you find me on social media, I'll answer any question you want. Um, and at the same time, um, I totally respect your decision to be Muslim. I'm not going to push Jesus on you. He didn't. He, he, we talked about that earlier in this broadcast about how Christian pastors uh, push the faith of Jesus Christ on people as opposed to just doing what he asked, which is just present the information and let the person make their own decision. So if, if you don't mind connecting with me, I'm never going to push Jesus on you. 
I will just present the information as the Bible uh, gives it to me and as the Lord by his Holy Spirit gives me understanding. And um, you'll, you're welcome to grow in your education of the faith, man. Um, you're definitely welcome. Um, welcome. You're welcome. Anywhere you see Christ masters, you're welcome to ask any question anytime, man, anytime. And if, and if you know, we have a time difference, you're in Iran. Um, you're in Iran. I pray for your country too, brother. Um, you know, we're in the States, um, United States, and, uh, you know, there's some political tension between our countries. So, you know, you know, we're lifting up prayers that those tensions go down um, bet- between our countries. But in terms of the faith, man, in terms of us coming together as people of faith, um, we have to have that dialogue because there's so many, if we talk about it, you know, with the rise of terrorism and the rise of, of, of judgmental Christians, there's just so much tension between the Muslim faith and, and the Christian faith. There's so much tension. And, and yes, it goes back to the history of uh, Israel and Palestine and, and, and Isaac and Ishmael and, and all of that. But ultimately, we do have to find a way to come together. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to persuade each other uh, to change faiths. Uh, I have some really close Muslim friends, uh, like serious Muslim friends. Uh, and, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm a little bit um, I'm a little bit forward with how I speak, and so I don't mean any offense, but uh, some of the Muslim friends over here in America um, that I have are are just as devout about their faith and commitment uh, to Islam as as you are over there in the uh, in the Middle East. So I'm not talking about this watered down, Americanized version of uh, Islam, uh, which I know for a fact that a lot of uh, Muslims have a problem with they, because it just not, it doesn't line up with the, the 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 parameters the doctrines of their faith. So um, if you want to have those conversations, man, I'm welcome to 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 answer any question you have, man. I just really appreciate you reaching out uh, even on this uh, this live feed. Uh, you, you, this is the first time we've done the live feed. I've been broadcasting uh, on podcasts and and a few other outlets uh, for a few years, but the first time I decided to do this in this way. So you're making this very interesting and memorable, brother. So um, hopefully you'll hang out, you'll uh, hit the button and become a fan so you can see when we go on more live, you can participate in the future and find us on Facebook and YouTube and see what we post. Um, With that said, man, Gary, I think that's a great great, uh, spot for you to jump in because um, what Gary does, uh, what Gary does is, is, is he, he, he's, he studies a ton of different uh, faiths. So he he he's Christian, but he he's he he entertains conversations with everybody: Buddhist, Muslim, uh, Jehovah Witness, um, you know, all of them, Wiccans, a whole bunch of people, right? And he has a very deep uh, study background in a lot of those things. So he would definitely be somebody uh, you would want to connect with, um, so you can continue to get uh, good information. Uh, Gary, where you at, brother? We going on two hours. Um, <laughs> this broadcast has been phenomenal, man. Uh, what are, What are your um, closing thoughts on this thing? Hey, man. You know, you know, my prayer is that um, everyone who's listening in grows from it. I pray the Holy Spirit pricks hearts of people who um, who contest. Obviously, you know, it's the Holy Spirit who brings uh, the understanding, and that's my prayer, man. I, I, you know, I pray. That people were blessed from joining in the conversation, asking questions. I mean, you know, I was always taught the only bad question is a question not asked. Right. So the questions that were asked were phenomenal and it, they were challenging. And that's beautiful because it helps us all grow. Very challenging questions. And um, I'm just looking forward to uh, jumping in the fire again with you.
you grow and you know what I mean? Feasting on some more word, man, and you know, you know, the brother the the Muslim brother, man, you know, it get I get excited when I hear stuff like that, man. I get very excited because, you know, there is a lot of there's a lot of dialogue we can have. You know, one thing I would challenge you on and and anybody else who's who's listening in who's not a Christian, don't believe in the Bible. Um my challenge to you all is to um, the references that I put out earlier. There are a lot of apologetics out there, uh, a lot of apologists out there. There are a lot of uh, historians out there. And, um, you know, it's a matter of study for the truth, man. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody trying to beat you over the head with information to make you follow, you know, follow suit or get or, or switch religions. But the question comes down to this. If there's evidence proving that what you believe is wrong, and what you're being taught through uh, fellowshipping with us is right. Or the question you must ask yourself is, am I held accountable for brushing it under the rug and not making a decision? So that's the only thing I'll throw out there, not beating anyone over the head. But let's jump in. Let's keep dialogue. And I, I'm looking forward to the next time, man. Yeah, and, uh, so you can also check out Christ Masters on, w on WXCN Power Radio. So uh, WXCN Power Radio, Internet Radio Station, look it up. Um, jump in there. Um, you'll probably see a lot of the Christmasters videos in there on Sundays. Um, it's actually a radio station for everybody. Um, so it's not a spe it's not specifically a Christian radio station, but thank the Lord that he's opened doors for us as brothers in Christ to be able to get on there and to be able to make an impact for the kingdom. Uh, so check that out. Um, and I'm just looking forward to kicking it with y'all again. Yeah, this was fantastic. I um, I think oh, everybody... you didn't say nothing about Rascal Saints, bro. Oh, Rascal Saints, Rascal Saints, that's still under construction, brother. Okay, that's yeah, cool. Rascal that's Saints the is still under But um, just to give you guys a a a, a heads up, um, there's going to be something coming out called Rascal Saints uh in the future, and that's going to be a walkthrough program for anybody who wants to um really build their relationship with Christ and and, and build the different areas of their life um. You know, their family, their marriage, um, their business, their finances, basically conduct your entire life uh, the way the scripture called Christians to do it. So I'm building a program for that. That's going to kind of be like a school slash uh, coaching program, if you want, if you will. But it's still under construction. I, I will let you guys know when that comes out. Um, in the meanwhile, um I'm going to, I do have to jump on, um, I have to do some podcast recording today and go into the, I'll be over on Christmasters Gathering doing a live video there in, in, a, in a few minutes, in about 20 minutes. So if you guys want to join me over there, that'd be wonderful. Um, but uh, I did post in the comments there that you can check out the Unchained Podcast. Uh, the Unchained Podcast that we have, um, it's on CastBox, it's on Apple, Spotify, Wooshka, um, growing the radio outlets, that's giving us some other perspectives of the gospel, the stuff people don't want to talk about that makes us uncomfortable, the wrath of God, the devil, all these different things. And you'll see, I have about six episodes on there right now, but I'm going to be recording more and posting more in the next month to really tie in what we talked about today into those foundations. So if you need some more understanding, like we talked about in this conversation about how the devil corrupted things. Like we talked about corruption and how Jesus came to to rid us of corruption in the world of corruption. Those podcasts on that Christ Master Sun chain go into the details of that on through the scriptures. So you wanna 
you know, grab a Bible and join me over there and listen to those podcasts. That'll give you more understanding on that part of our conversation here. But these are the foundations we're talking about, right, Gary? And um, it's the yep. foundations of the Christian faith. And when you truly understand that, I mean, the only the only thing that can happen at that point is God will come to you. He will come to you. And, and at that point, you'll know him, you'll see him as he is, and you'll have a choice to make. But that's that's what will happen. So to grow in your understanding, hang out with us here. We're going to wrap it up. And um, I pray God bless you all and, and open your eyes and bring you into the full knowledge and the understanding of Jesus Christ. All right. You've been listening to Christ Masters Live on CastBox. Uh, this will be up to review. I'm going to repost this as a replay. So you guys can come back and listen to this entire conversation for your own study and review. Gary, thanks for joining me this morning, man. Hanging out. Yeah, bro. It's I got the kick it. I got the build and build at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, First Corinthians three. There's no other foundation that any man can lay than that of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, master builder, right? Yes, sir. All right, man. Um, yeah, we'll coordinate. We'll put we'll put an announcement out of when we're going to be back on here. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll have a guest like I have today. Gary, thanks for joining me for episode number one. Man, that made it real special. We've been talking about this for a little a long time, and um. And uh, you'll probably hear me on here, too, you know, taking questions and answers and teaching the scriptures here live right here on CastBox for you guys. And so we'll be back. Stay tuned. And um, as we get this going, um, I'll also put an announcement of when these lives will go on a regular basis so you'll know when to tune in. Uh, This is a work in progress, but thanks for joining in. And um, click the fan button so you know when we jump back on. Ironed out the next time we jump on. You guys be blessed today. Have a great day wherever you are in the world. And keep your hearts open. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bro.